0: Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger.
1: So I'm hopped up on beer, Easter candy, and stressed dad life, and I've been told I'm opening this episode, so this is what you guys get. I'm not putting any thought into it. I'm way too tired for that. I thought you were
2: hopped up. Now you're too tired?
1: On on dad vibes. Dad vibes are tired
2: can you imagine uh five years ago you hearing what you just said
1: yeah no that would be horrifying
2: you'd make fun of yourself more than evan and i make fun of you
1: yeah no i i love my life and hate what i've become
2: uh evan who is our uh new uh podcast technician or video technician he's taken over the responsibility of recording the uh the screen so we can put this up on youtube after so um Someone someone was like, why is Evan the biggest picture on the screen? And he That's mostly my just... my picture. <laughs> Two reasons for that. A couple of reasons. He has a better computer and uh, he's better looking. And it's it's purely a show for money from us. Welcome to the yeah. Winged Wheel podcast, uh, Easter edition. Quarantine Easter edition. I'm Ryan Hanna.
1: I am risen.
0: Uh-oh. And I'm Evan. <laughs> <laughs>
2: heaven goes uh oh
0: (laughs) Oh, we just lost half of our listeners
2: oh boy um (laughs) do you guys do for easter like do you do when you're kids like i understand the candy and the chocolate stuff but do you do gifts like no i don't i have friends who like their parents get them like easter gifts like mel's parents got us easter gifts and it was really kind and it just reminded me of friends were like yeah the, the kids would all get gifts like it was christmas and i was like that's strange
1: the kids do the adults don't like i uh, clearly you haven't seen crystal's instagram yet this morning where mika had basically a room of toys waiting for her because we felt bad she couldn't leave the house mm. so we spent entirely too much online or the easter bunny oh yeah,
0: well that's what you say to too guess, much. so thanks for that kind of looks like i got a sunburn today i was outside crushing my 60 degree wedge <laughs>
2: I want someone uh, who has way too much time to try and clip through the episodes and see if you can build out an entire like bag of clubs based on what Evan specifically mentions. I've his 60-degree wedge. His I've got a iron hit, another i got episode. a
0: hitting net coming. Uh, what's it? At, at the most, 10 days. I'm going to be a tour professional by the time this quarantine ends. How much did that hitting net put you back? Uh, it actually wasn't bad. I thought it would be... So when I started looking at them, they're like, oh, yeah, like they're super affordable. But I should have realized that was in golf money. Yeah, that's golf. So that like changes things. This one wasn't bad. I I got it for 150. I was going to build my own. But then I was like, then I have to go to Home Depot and I have no handyman skills. I was like,
2: no one has the time for that. Just kidding. Everyone has the time for that.
0: Schedule's pretty full right now. (laughs) (laughs) The hockey net I'm getting this week costs more
1: than that hitting net. And that's after my discount
0: yeah i'm, a, I'm a, a little bit concerned about the quality of this so i won't be ripping driver for a shot at it maybe i should that'd be exciting <laughs> that's one way to kill time during the quarantine dealing
1: with exactly. the neighbors
2: i once missed the hitting net. That that's not the, good yeah went straight to the right i cannot Aren't you supposed
0: imagine. to be like 10 feet away from i think it? it's nine feet you're supposed yeah. to be away from it yeah
2: yeah i went straight to the right it was pretty bad oh. uh on this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast, we will be talking about uh, happenings from around the league, uh, continuing our draft content, uh, chatting a little bit about goalies. Um, Not too much. We're not going to make a, a mountain out of a molehill, but um, a goalie movement from across the league and what that might mean for Detroit, if anything, before heading into uh, overtime. So again, we always say this, this might be a shorter episode. I think our last one was an hour 15, so it obviously wasn't. Uh, But this might be a shorter episode, um, and that's okay. Uh, Right after this, we are going to be recording uh, a Patreon exclusive Uh, based on a post we put up a while back. um, It was just going to be an all Q&A episode, um, and we'll be dropping that later in the week, uh, just like we did this past week. I think it was this last Tuesday we did that. Um, Yeah, so... Uh, full night for us, and, and hopefully, some good listening for you. Uh, we're gonna start out with just a, uh, a moment of recognition here for, um, uh, the very sad, unfortunate passing of Colby Cave, um, Edmonton Oilers player. Um, he'd been in the hospital, um, it seems like a long time, but I guess not too, too long ago. He, he was admitted to the hospital with, uh, brain bleeds, um, and unfortunately didn't make it. So, uh, devastating loss for for his family in the, in the hockey community man reading his wife's instagram post just tore
0: me yeah that's that's no good uh, that's a
2: tough read and it's like you know it's, it reminds me of uh mickey reno um the Windsor spitfire's captain way back uh same thing just something same so i think it was a bl- uh, brain bleed or something similar and it was just gone it was like at the snap of a finger. So, yeah, it's it's incredibly sad and tough, and um, the entire hockey community obviously stands with um, Colby Cave's family. So uh, just want to recognize that before moving on. Um, okay, so the NHL draft, we are going to be continuing our coverage here a little bit. Um, we are going to be profiling Dawson Mercer today, but before we dive into that, um, I think we should have a little discussion on... What we look for when we talk about uh, draft prospects, you know, when Brad's sitting there watching his 10 plus hours of of footage of one player because the quarantine has given him uh, more time to work with, or uh, as Evan is researching, literally as we're recording, what are we trying to look for uh, on the ice? What's the kind of thing that uh, stands out to us as we draw our conclusions about these players? Um, how do we conduct our analysis how do we put together our rankings That's kind of thing so i don't know maybe we should start out by just talking about what aspects of a player like what qualities or characteristics are most important for uh draft prospects
0: well first they have to be good at hockey yeah it's good it's an advantage
1: yeah like what would happen if the red wings drafted messy hypothetically to play in uh, his offseason
0: would that work we'd get a lot of overseas viewership but mm-hmm. we wouldn't improve in well maybe we would improve in skill
1: yeah I mean it couldn't be worse Um, So who wants to be The one to start with the cliche That I'm sure we're all thinking and we beat to death On this podcast time and time
0: again I'll do it Or actually no, it. you do it
1: Yeah, who? What's the number one thing you want to look for in a prospect
0: Evan Got good high uh, hockey IQ And has elite insert talent here
1: There you go So high hockey IQ And at least one big skill set To back it up because you could be the fastest player in the world and never score goals. Look at Darren Helm.
2: <laughs> I was going to say you're, you're about to pick a fight with some listeners right now.
1: No, hey, he's useful in other ways. But um, no, you, you want a guy who can read the play, be in the right spots. Because if you have the best shot in the world, but you're never in a position to shoot, if you have the best hands in the world, but you never are able to get the puck, uh, if you're the biggest guy in the world, but you can't ever, you don't know how to play off the cycle, what what good are those tools, right? So the number one thing you want to look for in any prospect is ability to read the play, read the game, be in the right spots, make the right play. And it's, it's hard to pick out what the right play is because we sit here as three idiots who have all played hockey and we like to think we know the game really well, but I mean, we're not NHLers. We're not professional NHL coaches. So it makes it harder. Now, we'll Sidney Crosby make the play I make every time on this. No, of course not. He's way smarter than me. So you want to see what I personally try to look for, and I use this as a barometer because again, we joke about it all the time. But we're the three of us were we're good hockey players. We're above average for your average dummy watching an NHL game. I want to see them make plays that I didn't see. So if if a player's got the Huck on a half wall and I see the very obvious pass to the far point or the slot or whatever and he does something different that comes with and it results in a better result than what I would have done that's a huge indicator for me that this guy thinks the game well because I've watched prospects and they make the wrong play way more often than I feel I would have again not that I have their skill and then that that's my biggest red flag for any prospect is Okay, if I'm seeing the play and they're not making it or they're making a worse play, that's not good. And it's easy to say that as an idiot on my couch watching a game going uh, from an above angle. I, I understand it's not the same. The game's way faster on the ice. I mean, but that's that's a good barometer for m- that I use myself. Like, um, I'll never, the best indicator that I can have off the top of my head is, uh, we talked about this play specifically on the podcast before, but Alexi Lafreniere, at The uh, the World Juniors had the puck on the left half wall and it looked like he had no options and um, there was literally three players between him and the slot and two seconds later he's in the puck with the slot setting up a goal because he was reading not where the players were but the fact that they were all moving in a certain direction and he could see that seam that was about to open because of where three players were going that's this stuff that you can't teach that's the biggest thing i will always look for in a hockey player is the ability to just see what us normies can't
2: yeah i think hockey iq is um as much as we joke about it being a cliche it's it's a pretty useful term and one that is um you'll find people using at all levels of analysis whether you're talking to a professional scout a gm or um your favorite dummies on a podcast um it en- encapsulates a few different things like what Brad just said like intelligence and knowing where to be and play off the puck is all in there um vision is another thing that follows falls under the uh, hockey iq umbrella um you know calmness under pressure it all kind of plays into it and it's a really good catch-all without just being a blanket term for a good hockey player there's smart hockey players who just don't have the physical talents to do it um you look at successful coaches you look at su- successful coaches um a lot of them were enforcers you know like these coaches have won stanley cups and they were no good when they played like they were either junior level players or just um enforcers or guys who would fight and uh they turned into these coaches and they're just brilliant they spent a lot of time on the bench watching the game mind you so they they can work up their theory a little bit but seriously like they have the brain for the game they just don't have the physical tools and, and that's that's an important thing like not everyone's going to have uh, the ability to execute how they want to execute. Dan Bilesma was an enforcer and wanted to stay on the cup. And now he, look at him, look at him now, assistant coach on the worst team in the NHL. <laughs> but no, my point stands that, that uh, hockey IQ is incredibly important, but not the only thing. And it, it pairs with what Evan mentioned, which is um, you need to have an elite level talent to
0: back it up. Another thing that's important to like, keep an eye on is how they stack up against their peers in different levels of competition. Yeah, um, it's one thing to dummy the the OHL or whatever junior league you're playing in, but when let's say you get pushed to like the World Juniors or for some chance you get to go to the World Championship, how you stack up against those players is also very telling on uh, sort of all the things you mentioned before.
1: And, and the one thing, too, that we, we never talk about it as an individual skill, but uh, another big indicator for me when talking about high, key, high hockey IQ, if, if you or us as laymen just watching the game to pay attention to is is patience with the play. Because how many times have we seen, even in the NHL, players come down on a rush, there's nothing there, so they circle back on the half wall, there's still nothing there. So they just get impatient and fire the puck to nowhere or into somebody's shin and the play is over. It goes back the other way. The guys who don't mind holding the puck for 15, 20, 30 seconds until there is a play available. If the other team's backing off and playing a very passive defensive system, use that. Why rush a play? They're letting you have it. Keep it. Circle around. Same goes for a defenseman. Ryan would be able to talk about strategy on this better than I would. But same thing, if a guy's coming down the half wall and he's killing time and there's nothing for you to do, uh, being aggressive would be a bad play. And you're just holding steady. There you go. You don't want to over be overly aggressive. You don't want to be too passive. It's all about letting the play develop and reacting appropriately. It's, again, a very hard thing to pick out in the game. But nothing makes me cringe more than watching a forward from the top of the circles just fire a weak wrister into a, a defender's shins because... No good reason he was tired of holding the puck.
2: Uh, another important we're going to take the obvious attributes here is uh, obviously skating. Um, and you'll see that as one of the first few things mentioned about any given prospect. You know, they're a great shooter with uh, elite level skating or a really smart player, but has below average skating, that kind of thing. Um, and skating isn't so cut and dry as how fast can they go in a straight line. Um, there's a lot of different nuanced attributes to uh, players skating, which are important to look at. Uh, top speed, obviously one of them very important i don't want to take away from it it's extremely crucial if you have insane top speed and, and can just uh, create distance between players uh between you and a defender like that that's a massive advantage on the ice and teams won't uh overlook that um another thing is how quickly you can get up to speed your agility like what are your first few steps like you think about Sidney crosby you might not think about him as a world-class skater but uh one thing that he does better is Uh, than anyone else, and especially in his prime when he was like undoubtedly the best player in the world, um, his first three strides, he would just clear every single defender. They were so powerful and efficient and quick, and he just broke away. And that's tough to do. If you've never skated, it is tough to generate that much power from a standstill or, or coming from the opposite direction with your first few strides. Um, There's things that in skating that can be helped. So if someone has like, you know, they they got strong legs, they're they're, uh, pretty athletic, they're pretty well built, um, waist down. Don't laugh, Evan. Um, but for some reason, they're not a good skater. Like sometimes it's a form thing and it's though not perfectly correctable. You're not going to turn them into Connor McDavid overnight. Uh, there's players who sometimes have super inefficient strides where they flail their legs out rather than put that energy into generating power on the stride. And it's uh, there's a lot of good uh, coaching and a lot of good uh, systems and and groups around the world that will help uh, teach or or coach out those bad habits in a skater so skating can be improved Um, how much it can be improved i'm not sure i think it depends on on the player generally if you find a player who's able to skate really fast uh, they already are skating really well Um, they they don't have that terrible of a stride because at this level of hockey we're talking about coaches have have picked up on it but you you still find the odd player who um, finds another level once he gets drafted because they're like yeah you're amazing you got a great shot um, but you skate like garbage and here's how to fix that so that, that's a very quick spark notes on uh, on some different attributes within skating.
1: Yeah, when we're talking skill set, when I'm analyzing a prospect, again, I have my own stupid methods of uh, what I look for. But I, the importance of this skill to me generally tend I, – I, I don't even know how to phrase this. I look at every skill that you need to create a scoring chance and then – The further away from the net you are, the more important it is to me because each skill needs to get you there. So like Ryan said, skating is uber important, not necessarily top speed, but if you're slow, but you're strong on your feet, good on your edges and you can support like in a cycle, that's that doesn't get a deduction from me because you are capable at what you're trying to do. Like if a big player doesn't have a good top end, but he just can't be moved, then I don't consider that poor skating um, unless he literally can barely keep up with the worst skater in the NHL. Then you look at puck control slash passing. I generally tend to lump them into the same category because while you're skating, it does you no good if you just lose the puck every time, right? So when you're attempting what you want to do, you got to be doing something with the puck. And then the final thing to create a scoring chance would be the shot. So uh shot can be worked on and generally there's so many different ways you can score. I I, I think I mentioned on this podcast before, I don't I don't value shot a ton when it comes to scouting because... A shot, a shot can be taught honestly. Um, some just have that natural gift to it that you can't teach a, la a Cole Caulfield um, or a martin furt because there's no way in reasonable hell uh, someone who's five foot nine should shoot a puck 109 miles an hour that's just <laughs> universally gifted talent but that that's kind of my barometer again you don't need to be an elite skater. I value skating more than shot but if you're shot, is like a Cole Caulfield shot. Yeah, I'm not going to be super concerned about your skating or if you are not a good skater, but you have ridiculous hockey IQ and just insane hands, um Patrick Kane comes to mind. Yeah, of course you don't need to be a huge skater, a uh, top-end skater for that. So I'm not going to be super concerned about it. So, yeah, I have my skill sets that I I prefer but there isn't a, a make-or-break skill for me. You can be deficient in any aspect of the game, and I can still rate you very highly as a prospect. Again, we've sat here for the past God knows how long gushing about Alexi Lafreniere. And skating is probably his biggest weakness in, in terms of overall package, even though his skating still good. But he's a far better puck handler. He's a better shooter. He's got a better mind. He's a better passer than he is a skater. And that doesn't concern me even a little bit
2: yeah that's a perfect way to encapsulate it like it really goes to show how much goes into being a good hockey player Um, maybe we'll make a little series of this so every episode we'll cover one or two other attributes like and we can get a little bit more granular like next episode we can do gap control and what that means when we talk about gap control and defensemen and and things like that Um, and then we can maybe bring someone on to talk about goalie strategies unless evan has a hidden pass that we don't know about as a goalie
0: only in road hockey only in road hockey. and i only stack the pads (laughs) <laughs> Just
1: ask every goalie we meet. What's more important to you, preventing
2: goals or stopping pucks? Oh God, I hate you. Um, yeah, you
0: remember that one, right?
2: <laughs> yes, I certainly do. Um, something that we were talking about last episode that I was I was thinking about all week, or or for the last few days, I should say, um, is we got into that discussion about, you know, if you could pick one archetype of a player, like that calm, cool, collected, always makes the right play, whether it's pretty or not, or the player with an absolute insane game-breaking skill or talent to that can make plays out of nowhere. And we chose arbitrarily Litstrom and Datsuk, respectively, for those. And I, I think that was a really good discussion. Um, but I wanted to circle back to it by saying that... Um, the reality of hockey is that you're never going to find someone who only does. Like, if you're talking about that level of player, they are not one or the other. Nicholas Listerum also had insane game breaking level talents. Like, he, he does. You don't call him the second best defenseman of all time for no reason. And Pavel Datsuk was also extremely good at making those uh perfect little plays that you might not notice that have a huge impact down the ice um so the takeaway from that discussion wasn't that uh you should categorize those players pretty exclusively but rather just uh, it was more of a look on the the philosophies of what's more important i guess it was just um a little what's more important stopping the puck or preventing goals discussion there Like a little callback brad no, Love it. No one can hear you. Thumbs up. Uh, and with that, I'm going to get you talking, Brad. Uh, before Again, before we d- dive into Dawson Mercer, uh, update us on the um, Fantilli situation in the CHL.
0: Uh-huh. Give
2: a little background for people who don't know.
1: Yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know, last weekend was the OHL draft. It operates just like every other draft. You pick your player. They are now belong to your team. But the problem with the OHL draft that throws a huge complication into things is... Kids, um, and this is in Ontario specifically, um, even though it applies everywhere, don't always know if they're going to the OHL or the NCAA route. Now, the OHL draft is for minor midget players, so 15 years old. Um, and NCAA doesn't start till they're 18, so they the general rule is they will go to the USHL, the BCHL, sometimes a smaller league like the AJHL or the OJHL for two years before they can actually go play in the NCAA. Now there's a kid up for the OHL draft, Adam Fantilli. If he had fully committed to the OHL, he's the first overall pick and it's not even a debate. He is just, uh, he, he's a very strong candidate to go first overall in the 2022 NHL draft with Brad Lambert. And um, I think Shane Wright is that year as well. Um, he, he's in that consideration. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, he's the same age as Shane, right? Um, but he has recently announced a commitment and signed with the Chicago Steel of the USHL, indicating he wants to go to the NCAA. Um, so and you'll say he didn't go first overall in the OHL draft. Uh, every report that's come out is that he's still intending on going to Chicago. So the fun thing with the OHL is there's a lot of very big organizations with a lot of pull. So they're generally the more successful organizations. These players don't get paid air quotations, but you know the certain perks can be thrown around by these teams that other teams can't. So 2023
2: a lot of twenty twenty three like, NHL draft, Brad. Sorry,
1: twenty twenty three for Fantilly, is he a late birthday? Yeah. Okay. Um, 2023, first overall contender. Um, so everybody was looking at the London Knights, the Kitchener Rangers, the Oshawa Generals, Ottawa sixty sevens, et cetera, et cetera. Um to see if they would take a flyer on him. So the biggest rumor going around was Kitchener. Um, So it got to Kitchener at pick 17 because they were one of the top teams. In London, their division rival was at 19. So everybody was huge intrigue here. Kitchener comes up. They take a timeout at their pick. They took so long to make their pick. Everybody didn't know what was going on. They ended up taking Andrew LeBlanc from the Southern Tier Admiral. So everybody's like, wait, what's going on? We thought Kitchener was going to take Vintilli. So everybody immediately circled to London at pick 19. Okay, London's going to get him and they're going to talk him into decommitting from Chicago and get him here. Lo and behold, the Saginaw spirit at 18 say, nope, London can't have all the good things in the world and they take him. Now, this is a week ago and as of now, nothing has been updated on the Fantilli situation. As far as we know, he's still going to Chicago in the USHL. But this is something to keep an eye on because I believe Cole Perfetti back in his OHL draft also had rumors that he was going to go the NCAA route. But Saginaw was able to talk him into coming and playing for them. So this is funny, interesting, and something that doesn't seem like a big deal to your average Red Wings fan. But this is a kid that we're going to be keeping very, very, very close eyes on for the next few years. So watching his uh, situation develop could be super fascinating.
2: Also, you want to talk about relevant. Like, Obviously, Red Wings fans don't want to be thinking that they're going to be a lottery team uh, for the 2023 draft. But there's a chance, obviously, of them <laughs> being in that situation. Um, and they are going to be getting, uh, if he goes to Saginaw, um, that, that kid's going to be playing in Michigan for half of his games. They're going to be getting a really close look at someone who's in contention for being the first overall pick. So uh, it's, I think it's extremely relevant to Red Wings fans and also a nice little. It's a fun little story there. Uh, there's been some accusations being thrown around about media members carrying water and trying to... Because he... Apparently, and this is all hearsay, um, hockey can be just as dramatic as, you know, <laughs> any other sport here. But uh, the accus- some accusations being thrown around are that uh, media members uh, knew that he wanted... Fantilli would want to go to London, but not Kitchener. And so they put the news out there that he was signing with uh, or committing to the USA... who was it chicago and the chicago steel if you want to be ultra specific chicago steel to try to get uh kitchener to pass on him not expecting saginaw to to give him a look and that way london would pick him up and then he would decommit from chicago and go to the ohl so that's just one of the things and and uh, whether or not that's true it didn't shake out that way which makes it fun
1: It's actually funny you mentioned that story because the story I heard the night before the OHL draft was the opposite. It was that Kitchener talked Fantilli into signing with the Chicago Steel so that he would fall to them. But obviously them passing on him and taking Andrew LeBlanc instead uh, obviously shot that theory down. But that was going into the draft that day was the big rumor was that it was Kitchener who was throwing up the smoke screen to try and make it happen, and it never ended up happening, Um, which, hey, it is what it is, but it ended up being funny because Kitchener drafted Andrew LeBlanc uh, with their first pick, and then with their second pick, uh, 23 picks later or whatever it was, ended up taking his identical twin brother. So, Wait, really? Yeah, Andrew LeBlanc uh, as a forward, they took him in the first round. They didn't have a second-round pick, but they had an early third-round pick, and they took his... Identical twin brother who's a defenseman. Oh, that's
2: awesome. Good for them. Yeah. Right in our backyard. See, that would have been nice if Fantilli came to Kitchener because we get a lot of eyes on him. Well,
1: LeBlanc um put up big numbers for the Southern Tier Admirals last year, so we'll get a good look at him and his brother for the next couple years.
2: All right. uh, Speaking of prospects, uh, today's prospect profile for the upcoming 2020 NHL draft, whenever that may be, uh, is Dawson Mercer uh, of the uh, Chikudemi Saguenayne. I I can't say it. Chikutumi Saganine. Saganine? There's an accent. Anyways, uh, he's listed as.
1: uh, Does that sound like an Anglo-Canadian team name there, Ryan? All right. (laughs) <laughs> All right,
2: Brad. Uh he's listed as a center. Uh some places have, have have him as a center winger, but for the purposes of this, we'll call him a center. So Dawson Mercer uh from Shakutami Brad, Evan, who wants to take it away here? Brad, it is.
1: Okay. Uh I was I was le- leaving the ball in Evans court there just <laughs> to see what would happen.
0: I'm sure everything will be covered by the time it gets to me. <laughs> you're,
2: you're gonna go
1: second.
0: I'll just say yes.
1: Okay, so uh, Mercer's actually a good prospect to pick, um, given the conversation we recently had about hockey IQ versus skill set. Because uh, I don't consider... Now, Dawson Mercer is a surefire first-round pick, so don't do not get me wrong when I say he's not skilled, but he's not your typical high-skill first-round pick. He's high on this list just because he's one of those guys who gets it done. Um, whatever means necessary jack of all trades master of none if you if you want to call him that he's very strong off this cycle reads the play very well um i'd say hard shot not very accurate um at least in the viewings i've had uh was a non-factor for team Canada at the world juniors but he did make team Canada at the world juniors as an 18 year old he has a late birthday for whatever that's worth um Missed out on last year's draft by a month, I think. Um, but yeah, he's he's smart, works hard, gets a job done, has enough skill to put it all together to produce a ton of offense. He was well over a point per game in the QMJHL this year. I think he was 1. 1.3, 1. 1.4 points per game or something like that off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, so he he's one of those fascinating guys where he can play any style of game you want what's his ultimate upside i don't know i'm not super high on his upside um but one of those picks where he can play anywhere in your lineup and be effective so the air quotations safe bet
0: yeah the one knock that i was that kept coming up from different sites i was reading is his his inconsistency and i think that's probably why he's slotted down a little bit lower in the in the first round than um some of his skill set might indicate um but he does play basically all around the ice and is good at all of it maybe not elite, but he's good at it and coaches love players like that so there might be a team that falls in love with him i'm not too sure on that but um he 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 looks like he'll play in the nhl uh, at least in some capacity
2: yeah you guys cover that pretty well and i think if you're looking at this from a a red wings draft pick perspective even though we're not going to fall into the trap again of saying there's no way the red wings take this guy because of where they're drafting in reality this is someone whose skill set is super attractive you like having a centerman who can do uh do things well at all ends of the ice um he's not a phenomenal skater but when you have legitimately everything else going for you and you're a super smart player and and you do have a lot of skill to speak for maybe not just like top five skill um yeah that's gonna be a great pick but if you're looking at what the red wings want if they're gonna be picking a centerman they want a centerman at or at larkin's level or better um and there's no way to definitely say any given player is going to be, you know, this talented or better than, than this Red Wing or, or not. But, uh, Dawson Mercer definitely fits the mold, I think, of someone, um, who's, who's a two, three centerman rather than maybe a number one centerman. And so if you're, you're thinking about this from a Red Wings perspective, it's obviously not the obvious choice from where they're going to be drafting but again just in, in terms of uh looking at these profiles broadly and not purely from a detroit perspective a really really uh uh promising pick there who has a nice blend of like being solid and secure like evan said like by all rights this kid's gonna play in the nhl um but who knows like you don't really know what his absolute upside is and if any one of those talents takes off and, and translates well into the nhl You now have a a centerman who can play both ends of the ice and is supremely talented in another way. That's a number one, number two center. So yeah, Dawson Mercer is a super interesting pick um, out of the the QMJHL. So um, he's pretty well ranked within that like 10 to 15 range. He's someone else I wouldn't be surprised to see jump up just because of his position and uh, the fact that he plays so well um, in his own zone too. So teams will like that, but uh, time will tell on that one.
1: Well, I just finished my first round rankings yesterday, and I'll tell you, I do not have him between 10 and 15.
2: Interesting. I'm going to guess. I actually don't know this. I haven't seen Brad's rankings yet. I'm going to say nine. Don't tell me if I'm right or wrong. Okay.
1: Well, our patrons are
2: going to find out tomorrow. Awesome. And the rest of you will find out next
1: week. Patrons are going to get an early look at that list tomorrow. It's going to be without all the... um, write-ups on each player and it's just going to be the list because i'm going to write all the write-ups for each guy this week and then post that article on our website uh i'm going to say sometime between saturday and tuesday
2: all right uh some nhl news before we get into overtime um one that is i think somewhat somewhat related to the red wings although this might be a stretch here um long-awaited uh, Islanders goaltending prospect Ilya Sorokin um, isn't is signing an extension with CSKA over in the KHL and is going to be signing with the Islanders once his contract expires at the end of the month. So that was to be expected, uh, thus continuing the Shiro- Sorokin, Shostorkin, Sh- Shistorkin conundrum uh so that you have uh igor shesterkin in uh in manhattan with the new york rangers and then Ilya sorokin over in long island with the islanders that won't get confusing at all so they're actually good buddies and they uh they like competing with each other so i think that'll be good for that new york new york rivalry um interesting point in this is what does this mean for uh thomas grice welcome to the red wings buddy that's what I was saying. Th- okay, Thomas Grice, uh, he's older. He's 34 years old. He's German. <laughs> Honestly, depending on what happens in this draft, it could be even more impactful if the Red Wings pick up one or two more Germans. Uh, He's a German player. He's put up fantastic numbers at times with the Islanders. He has more than held his own. He, like, it's very Dwayne rollison esque where, like, just late in his career has just put up really solid numbers over there. So um, I've always liked Thomas Grice as a goalie. And if the Red Wings don't bring back Jimmy Howard or if Jimmy Howard retires um, and you don't want to pull someone up out of your system like Pickard, uh, Thomas Grice could be a cheap uh, one or two year stopgap for you who could do the same thing that Bernie is doing right now and, and play really, really good good hockey for an an affordable price.
1: Well, this is what the Red Wings need to do. They just need stop gaps right now until an actual established number one younger goalie enters the system, which they don't know if they have right now, maybe Detroit drafts like a Nico Dawes at pick 32 this year, who knows? Um, but yeah, so Grace is the type of guy you make the bet on. Probably won't cost a lot because of his age. I don't know many teams that would be in the market for a 34 year old goalie, but with the Red Wings seemingly moving on from Jimmy Howard and there's nobody else in the system ready to step in, they need to pull from someone else. They probably don't want to spend big money on a goalie. Jonathan Bernier is your guy, but he's probably not a 60 game per year starter. Uh, 50-30 split with Gray seems like a pretty good idea if you're the Red Wings and you know right now Semyon Varlamov's in shambles with Sirokin coming over
0: yeah it would definitely be an improvement
2: um i'm just trying to look up his contract here so uh, uh expires at the end of this season yeah he's making three and a third million dollars this year so he'd probably come in around the same price or, or wouldn't want much more or less than that so um it, with the red wings have a having a world of cap space that would be a super affordable for them uh the compliance buyouts can we talk about that some more no because um
1: I don't want to give myself hope.
2: <laughs> I've, I've seen a lot of like fun theories about how compliance buyouts are going to shake out uh, across the league. And I've seen a lot of things where teams like would hypothetically weapon weaponize their compliance buyouts. And I, I think that would fall within the realm of the rules, like of what's fair, unless otherwise dictated by the NHL. But then I've seen a couple like I had a couple things De- I don't know, they might have been tweeted at me where they're like, oh, the Red Wings would compliance buy out this player um, who would then uh, be signed back to the team for a lesser deal. And I'm pretty sure the NHL would put a stop to that. Whether 100%. or not 100 th- percent. Yeah. Whether or not they have explicit rules about that situation, I, I think they would see that a circumvention of the process. And also, I don't think the players would be up for that. Like players aren't exactly in the business of reducing their pay.
1: I think there's already a rule that if you buy out a player, you can't re sign them for X amount of time. So if you bought out a player at the beginning of the season, I don't think you can re sign them until the following season. Um, I think that's a big reason why Washington traded, I want to say it was Brooks or Pick to Colorado. And had Colorado bio Brooks or pick before re-signing him. Um, I think that was part of the Grubauer trade, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but to get back to the Red Wings. Now, weaponizing the bio could be absolutely massive um, for a lot of teams if they wanted to do it. Um, the problem is, for that to work, there'd have to be a team that has absolutely two egregious contracts or else they would just do the buyout themselves. They would not likely want to give up a first round or a second round pick to have another team buy a player out when they absolutely have the capability to do it themselves. Maybe there's some budget implications with a team like Arizona or Florida. You never know the stuff behind the scenes. So why bother speculate on that? But I've, I keep saying, and I've, I've preached this to death, the Red Wings cap situation doesn't matter Until they think they can contend. I think a realistic, optimistic timeline for the Red Wings is they could be angling for a play legitimately angling for a playoff spot three seasons from now. So what the Red Wings need to do is look at anybody who could be harming their cap three seasons from now. Don't make me spell it out. You guys know where I'm going with this. Who's still going to be on the cap for entirely
2: too much money three seasons from now? Evan, Justin Abdelkader and Franz Nielsen.
1: Yeah, I don't think Nielsen is. I think he's only got two years left. I could be wrong. But either way, either they will be gone. The Red Wings could weaponize their their cap for another team. But the problem is they have their own issues with the cap that they need to deal with. Um, by the time they plan on competing again, and Justin Abdulkader is that problem. And I just pulled up Cap Friendly here. Abdulkader has three seasons left. Franz Nielsen has two. You guys want to hear something uh, funny and depressing while I was looking at this? Sure do. Franz Nielsen and Justin Abdulkader are the second and third highest paid forwards
2: on this team.
0: Oh, God.
2: <laughs>
0: um, oh,
1: my God. That's horrifying.
2: So I'm glad you brought up that example, Brad, about. Um, who was it? I I forgot the name. I already traded to Colorado to be bought out. Pick. Yeah, uh, so it looks like my my take there was wrong, and that there might be ways around this. But in in a situation like in a situation you have like this where um, there's a hypothetically or potentially um, these compliance bios being like popped up out of nowhere there would be a set of rules surrounding them that might look different than what already exists so it would really depend on on what the the rules of engagement are that the nhl puts out per se um okay do we want to head over to overtime unless you guys have anything perfect uh we are going to head over to overtime uh and on this weekend episode of the wing wheel podcast we'll get to uh patreon comments and some uh hashtag AskWWP questions from twitter and then some reddit comments but we're going to start with patreon and read out their comments on air as our way of saying thank you for supporting the wing wheel podcast um antonio gracia says no question just wishing everyone here a happy easter or whatever it is you might be celebrating at this time hard not to get stir crazy at home but listening to you guys makes a little makes it a little bit easier thanks for keeping the spirits up and i hope everyone's safe happy and healthy hey much appreciated antonio um yeah i hope everyone's enjoying the holiday and um was able to make the most of it inside i know i'm not i i'm not a big i'm a terrible catholic like my my I was born Catholic and I've not done a good job with it. So I've never really cared about Easter, Uh, but I felt sad. Like I couldn't come home or like go home and see my family and stuff like this. This thing puts a, an awkward tinge on, on all holidays right now. It doesn't feel like a holiday, but we make the most of it. Uh, Garrett TV says, hockey amigos, happy Easter and happy Oh, I'm going to say that wrong. Pisac, pisach, pisach. Uh For the sake of my question, assume the regular season and playoffs play out in full after a three-month layoff. In that case, um, which sports league championship in the past 25 years do you think would have been the most impacted by a pandemic like this one? For example, the 03 Marlins come to mind. Huge September improbable World Series run. 06 Tigers also ran a ton uh, of playoff momentum that could have been altered by a stoppage in play. Maybe last year's Columbus or Carolina momentum. Or an injured player who could have healed over a break and helped their team, but instead who otherwise missed the end of the regular season slash playoffs. Like Eric Cole. Kidding. Lots of different angles. Please feel free to use this as a future segment um so
1: we're just talking about like what teams got like stupid hot close to the playoffs we uh what year was it the st louis cardinals were like nine games out of the playoffs in september and won the world
2: series i would not know that oh was that the year they beat the tigers i don't know
0: there was a year the colorado rockies won like 14 or 16 games in a row to make the uh a playoff to get in the playoffs i think uh, the 2012
1: LA Kings won the Cup as an eighth seed. Uh, they yeah, tenth place at the deadline, I believe, and then got crazy hot. Um, I'm trying to remember if there's any other ones. Fully healthy 2013 Red Wings might have beat the Blackhawks. Uh, would they have even made the playoffs if that?
2: <laughs> eh, that's a it's a good point. I just um, keep thinking about DeKaiser's broken thumb
1: that series. Imagine being if this happened uh, in the middle of the Premier
2: League season the year Leicester won it. Oh, man, that would have been brutal. Yeah. That would have taken away the magic. Oh, yeah. Uh, Alex Ott says hello fellas been listening to the show for the last year and love what you guys have been doing uh, assuming that this season won't be coming back and that Eisman decides to move on from Blashill, could you see a world where the next coach breaks up Larkin, Mantha and Bertuzzi seems like Larkin and Mantha are the two players who can drive a line for the wings and I think a decent option to give the wings more consistent scoring would be to put Larkin with Sedina and Guy and then play Bertuzzi and Mantha on another line with Guy who plays center this could allow for two lines that uh, hypothetically should produce and potentially see Z in production jump a little bit, seeing more time with Larkin. Not to mention the possibility of our first-round pick this year slotting in on the first-line wing or the second-line center. Thanks for keeping us entertained. Stay safe and happy Easter.
1: Would I do it? No. Could I see it? Yeah. I mean, I can absolutely see the logic in, in splitting them up because, again, um, I, I Larkin and Amantha obviously being the line drivers, so if you wanted to keep Larkin and Bertuzzi together and throw well, you would probably want to put a shooter with them, so you throw Zedina on the right wing there, and then you have Mantha with uh, Fabry and insert uh, lifeless body of Valtteri Filippa here. Um, yeah, you could do it. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, again, because every win the Red Wings had this year seemingly came on a game where that line strung together five goals by themselves. So I think if we're talking about how do the Red Wings win, Right now, unfortunately, it's probably just literally being carried on the backs of that line, so I don't break it up. But if if you legitimately think you can get a decent second line out of Mantha, Fabry, and Guy, yeah, I could, I could absolutely hear the argument for that.
0: I'm sure it will be tried at some point.
2: Yeah, that, that's the crux of it right there. Every line combination is going to be tried at some point. Um, every coach in the league does it no team or line is hot for 82 games um in terms of regularity yeah maybe but at the same time you have this big of a a talent drain it gets to a point where you kind of do have to focus whatever you have together to cobble together some kind of production i think asking for guy in a second line center position is is a difficult thing as well because it's hard position to play and and say the Red Wings do take Byfield or Stutzla and they're expecting them to play center. I I think second line center might be asking a lot for them in their first year. Um, It's a huge thing to be able to play in the NHL um, right out of the draft. It is extremely difficult to do so on the first two lines. Um, So don't be surprised to see if, if that's the case where the Red Wings get one of those two guys that uh, they see a lot of third or fourth line time.
1: Um. I'll just throw this out there. If the Red Wings draft Stutzla, I wouldn't be shocked for him to make the NHL next year, but it absolutely wouldn't be as a center. Um, If they drafted Byfield, I actually wouldn't mind him there because Mantha would help shelter him because Mantha is such a strong player. And being on the second line, he wouldn't see a lot of top lines and top pairings matched up against him so you can't really hide a player on the second line but you, he sure as hell is getting easier assignments than the
2: first line would be Alright we are going to move on here to Jeremy Dahl he says hey guys great work as always Oh, he's having issue downloading the show on iTunes. Um, I checked earlier today and it was working for me, but I'll reach out if you guys are having any issues, uh, any technical issues with the show, either YouTube or, or getting the podcast and whatever your pod- preferred podcast services, always reach out. Um, we'll get that figured out for you, Jeremy. Uh, he says, otherwise, keep up the great work. Uh, Chris says, Hey guys, it's been a few episodes since I've commented, but I have a really good content idea. I really love team North America and team Europe in the world cup of hockey in 2016. I was watching the Russia versus North America game yesterday. and It was very entertaining. The North American team needed to be Americans and Canadians under 23 years old and Europe was players from country not represented represented in the tournament. Uh, for some content, remake the North America team, the Europe with both best players from small countries, um, and a U twenty three from any European country. Just an idea about um, that t- tournament. I think that is a fantastic idea for Patreon exclusive, and I am screenshotting that, and we are absolutely going to do it. That sounds Wonder fun. I,
1: l- I look forward to doing it. Considering uh, we're recording a
2: Patreon exclusive episode in ten minutes, and I still don't know the topic. It's the Q and A. I said it on the we we're recording
0: you think i listened to you no that's- uh, even i knew that one.
2: <laughs> oh, evan burn idiot boom roasted i didn't even know he was here i actually forgot Me neither. I jumped a little bit uh one draft question both of you seem pretty high on uh lucas raymond or rossi let's say one of those two slide a bit and are avail- available at the sixth pick how far would they have to drop before you're making calls to get another pick up there and what are you willing to give up for it thanks for the great pod
1: they'd have to fall pretty far because the cost to get up to pick six probably would be next year's first and I'm not giving that up. And I don't think the Red Wings have any major assets in their organization. Even if you wanted to get really bold in your picks, would you give up pick 32 and Joe Valeno for Lucas Raymond? I would hesitate at doing it, but I think the other team would absolutely say no. So I don't even think it would matter. Yeah. Um, so what what's the cost then to get to pick six? Pick without giving up your next year's first, which I obviously don't need to state could be first overall. You're looking at pick thirty-two and cider? Would I do that? No, absolutely not. I, I think they would have to get outside of the top ten before I see a reality in which the cost would be worth it because outside of the top 10 then you could absolutely start looking at your giving up pick 32 and not your top prospect to get there cuz there's nobody off the active roster that would be worth that unless someone thinks r- way highly way more high highly of Tyler Bertuzzi than we do and we think pretty highly of him
2: yeah it's you see how hard it is to move around in that five to 10 range. Like the Red Wings talked about um, moving back to try to try to get cider, but anyone who they wanted to move back with didn't want to do it. Cause they also wanted cider. So, or um, not also wanted cider, but they, they also really wanted their guy and, um, And that was an opportunity to move up, and they didn't want to give up the assets that the Red Wings would have needed to move up. So it's like everyone has their guy at their position. They just kind of get ingrained in where they are. And not to say there's no movement, but you look at Edmonton, they were what, eighth? Seventh, eighth?
1: Eighth, yeah.
2: Yeah, and they they drafted Broberg. um, And they were going to draft either Cider or Broberg, and they knew who they wanted. And they're like, well, if we're not going to get Cider, why do we trade up with Detroit when Broberg's probably still going to be there? So why are we going to give up, you know, uh this premier asset like it's just not going to happen that way so it's 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 tough to move around in there and let's not forget
1: too about the cost of previous top 10 picks because it wasn't that long ago i want to say it was pick nine uh was given up um vancouver traded to get pick nine and all it cost them was a franchise starting goaltender when they traded uh, Corey Schneider for pick nine so they could pick Bo Horvat. Which, uh, by the way, if nobody's ever seen that draft, uh, YouTube it, underrated draft moment, when uh, all the New Jersey fans start booing Gary Bettman and he says, wait, you're going to want to hear this. Um, So now, obviously, Schneider's career kind of went off the rails with some injuries, but at the time, Corey Schneider was very, very highly regarded. So that was a massive price to pay for pick nine. What do the Red Wings have in their organization that they could give up that could be considered as premium as a potential franchise goaltender?
2: Franchise goalie, no, but I think you were right in saying that if you're going to be moving a high-end asset that's not a premier piece like Zadina or Sider, it's it starts at Volano, which you don't want to do if you're the Red Wings.
1: Like, if man, I, I wouldn't even be shocked if Lucas Raymond slipped to pick six And the Red Wings said, pick 32 insider. I'm not 100% positive the team at six would say yes, either. That's the horrifying part of this. They'd be nuts. They they Um, should, but I can't say with any
2: certainty they would. Joseph D'Elia says, sup dub dub, knowing that this year's draft is deeper than next year's, let's say Rossi uh, for Ryan and Raymond for Brad drops to 10. And that pick owner calls you and offers the pick for Detroit's next year's first. Do you do it? absolutely not sorry you don't trade next year's first for a chance to draft rossi or raymond in addition who they get with first second third or fourth overall nope because again first overall
1: could be first overall are you sitting here and tell me right now you know enough about carson lambos or atu Ratti to comfortably give them away in Man, mm, I couldn't do it. And and on top of that, we've no. seen what's going on with San Jose now and what happened with Ottawa Net last year. Do you want that cloud over your head all year? Do you want that cloud over Marco Rossi's head for a full year knowing, buddy, we might have traded first overall for you. You damn well better put up 190 points this year. I no, no. I wouldn't I never a to make that trade as much as I like Raymond and Rossi.
2: No. Uh, uh isn't next yep. year's first re- like first overall draft class not considered to be as-, as strong as this one? Not yet. Time
1: can change. But again, I can tell you confidently that first overall is probably gonna be pretty damn valuable. Um at two rats he probably doesn't go top Three in this draft, but that's still a fourth overall pick. Um, and that the thing with next year's draft that makes it such a a crapshoot is it, it's starting to shape up a lot like the two thousand and eight draft. We could see four defensemen in the top five.
2: Um he then continues to say, What if we guarantee next year's pick as number six?
0: Oh, I 100%. didn't God, actually God, end up buying I don't even it. I got predicted to other though. games.
2: Uh Evan, how's the new Doom yes. game? Yes.
0: Uh, I do not understand that game at all, and it's definitely not for me.
2: It's Animal Crossing. Evan's hooked on Animal Crossing. Uh, Oh, man. It is cheaper than therapy. Uh, He he goes on to say, and if you guys didn't know, all the Switches are sold out and people are reselling them for way more. Ryan, can I have your Switch? Thanks, my dudes. Uh, You cannot because that is cheaper than therapy in my house. Um, But I have uh, become a connoisseur of trying to source switches There's a as a website. come up to yeah, uh, order them for my can friends use, that will send you so alerts when they become voucher. available that's how That'll i originally voucher. got my
0: switch when the, f- yeah, the system first came out and they were like literally impossible to buy i bought i bought mine i bought two on amazon um and i had literally like three probably 30 seconds to to get it all ordered oh yeah uh, Andrew Hodel
2: or Hadel, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. Who's a new patron. So welcome to the Dub Dub family. Says, hey, guys, new patron here. Happy to support the podcast. Any favorite hockey movies to watch during the pandemic? Oh, man. You have a lot of times. So all of them. Uh, yeah, nah,
1: there's not that many. So you really don't need to overthink this. Uh, slap Slapshot, slap Miracle. Um, Mystery Alaska is uh, underrated. If you can um, find the old Screech Owls TV show, that'd be sweet. Oh God! Uh, all of the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, don't forget uh, um, uh, MVP. Just understand the actual game. Those movies is horrible, but it's a kids movie, so don't classic. overthink it.
2: Look at that. There That's you go. Important one. Yeah, there's I, not enough good hockey. Oh movies. yeah, there aren't. He says. Uh, also, Brad, do you know what goes good with a cheeseburger? Onion rings. That's a great
1: point. I like, onion, onion rings are fine because they don't taste anything like
2: onions. They taste like batter.
0: That doesn't make any sense. Onion drugs. rings can taste any. Are you any not on like Are you onion?
2: either need drugs or should stop? It is an onion. One of the two. <laughs> it's concentrated onion. <laughs> it's a it's a little. Your bad. inbox. No, You're it doesn't t- taste <laughs> like onions. Dumbass. God, this guy. Uh, Matt Cheney says it
1: hasn't already been full. <laughs>
2: matt cheney says who's your favorite playoff uh time performer for the wings those guys that just went into another gear when the postseason hit my favorite was for sure the mule uh crosby even said in his chicklets interview that how he hated playing against and in the mo and uh, the most during their playoff series keep up the great content boys oh Oh, man. man henrik zetterberg during the red wings like you know run Near the oh eight oh nine era, uh, turned into the best player in the world every single playoffs, every single one. The the guy just turned into a machine. He found another gear. So if if not Franz and then Zetterberg's my answer. Way to pick a superstar to really uh really go outside of the box there, Ryan. I
1: don't know. Is it too is it too cliche to say just the grind line? Because I mean that was a fourth line that did way more than any fourth line. Show Darren Helm had a lot of it iconic
0: moments. as well of, in the playoffs. I remember that one well, penalty kill that was like <laughs> yeah. just played one verse five against chicago wasn't that what zetterberg's was called the, the shift. shift to the shift uh yeah they've there's
2: been a few yeah the shift to electric boogaloo <laughs> the shifting. uh oh i didn't like that uh alex zucco says uh hey happy easter dub dub dudes let's just say that stevie's public backing off uh backing of blast Shield does not end with him being behind the bench next season would you prefer gallant lambert or someone else as the next wings coach thanks and stay safe slash healthy guys i mean i'm biased
1: as all hell gronberg would be nice um but i man any of them would be fine
2: uh, I'm not going to say I prefer one or the other. I'd be ecstatic with either. With Glant, you get a proven body of work. Um, a guy who's consistently found the best in his teams. And, and though we like hoping for the best lottery odds possible we can't live this way forever um and we some at one point do want to see this team overperform even if it means they're not in the playoffs but they still have a good season so i think Gallant would be good for that but the appeal of lambert is that he, he's not been an nhl coach so um he might be more amenable to coming to a team that's not ready yet he can take the time to build it and and be the the coach of a, a winning team when they come out the other side so it's a it's a really tough one to answer if you're gonna put a gun to my head i'll just say um glant for the certainty but it's not it's only for having to choose uh stay fresh onion bags a fournier company says hey there fellas and to all listening my place of employment fred's restaurant in manhattan's upper west side needs your help um i talked to joseph about this before and i've actually been to fred's it's a phenomenal place so um This is, I think, uh, super important. I'm glad he's he's telling us this. Uh, He says, late Tuesday night, a fire broke out. Luckily, no one was there, and the bar and kitchen are fine, but the dining room is destroyed. Once the fire marshal wraps up his investigation, the insurance claim is filed. New York City has to approve all repairs because it's technically a historical building. There's a lot of red tape to cut through, and it will take a while, even after the COVID-19 lockdown expires, to be able to open back up, even for deliveries. I know it's hard to ask for help given our current international situation, uh, but if you have a few bucks to donate, it would help out a lot me personally i'll be fine but other employees whom are ineligible for unemployment insurance like students non-us citizens and employees working very low hours are struggling right now and will continue to for a while Check out my Twitter, either at Seth Montroy or at stay underscore bags, which is the stay fresh cheese bags account for the link that I can't post. Um, because, uh, Patreon filters crowdfunding sites. Fred's is the cheers of the Upper West Side, a comfy neighborhood bar that Ryan can confirm has the best mac and cheese at this side of the pond. It's true. Uh, your help would be greatly appreciated by many stay fresh cheese bags and thanks in advance. Um, Mel and I are going to be making a personal donation, um, to help that process along. Um, Joseph and the entire, uh, staff over at Fred's were fantastic to us when we went to go visit and they make a mean Buffalo chicken, uh, mac and cheese. Uh, Don Lewis says, Oh God. <laughs> hey there, you cool cats and kit. I mean, uh, hi, it's me, Don Lewis, coming to you live and direct from Costa Rica, where I've been totally living after being heaps forgetful and leaving my car keys at an airstrip. Obviously, I just flew without a pilot's license, and after crashing in the Gulf of Mexico and swimming for the rest of the way to Costa Rica, I have lived out the last 20 years down here. I was totally not covered in sardine oil and fed to my, t- I mean, that nice lady, Carol Baskin's tigers, and then had whatever remained dumped under a septic tank. That's just crazy talk. Crazy. Life down here has been all champagne and brie with my lady friends. (laughs) Time to start focusing on the three second round picks. So 32 and assume 51 and 60. Now I know the draft is entirely unpredictable. How about you throw out a bunch of names, say up to 10 for the three picks of guys you like to see get selected by Detroit. And the only caveat is that Murat Kuznetonov, Kuzna Kuznadinov, Kuznadinov is one of them. James is in love with this kid and I can kind of see why. Second round possibilities. Uh, all right Uh um, closed up all my lists here.
1: Possible? Like of actual realistic second rounders? Yeah.
2: Of guys that I could
1: think could slip that far. Maverick Bork, ryan o'rourke uh William Wallander, Lucas Cormier, Tyson Forster, Luke Evangelista, Helga Granz, Maxim Groshev, um, Justin Sordiff. Is that enough for you? Lucas Reichel. Yeah, I don't think he's going that far, but if he does, that would be fantastic.
2: Jake Neighbors I've seen brought up a lot.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, yeah if it's uh, with one of the later seconds, I'd be happy with that. Purely just to give uh, Mickey Redmond an aneurysm. Shakir Muk- Mukamadulin. Yep. Uh, Tyler Tulio's there. Uh, yeah. Sean Farrell. These aren't guys that I would... S- Building out we really should build out. Players would be thrilled to see drop into the second round for Detroit list.
1: And then um, just the Mickey Redmond list of potential uh, second rounders. Uh, let me see. So we already went with Kuznetdinov, and uh, you said Medulin already, right? Hmm. Okay. Who else could we get? Did you Mickey say Merritt? Kuznet- here, Casper Kuznet- oh, yeah, Simon type. As I started to sound it out, Ozzy uh, Weisblatt sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, Weisblatt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh theodore T- T- niederbach could be fun
2: niederbach <laughs> that's a great hockey name
1: yeah uh martin Chromia. will, cooley. will I, cooley i wouldn't draft will cooley but that, that name will absolutely screw with him when you look at the spelling of it
2: uh he goes on to say jersey time of all th- of all the third slash alternate jerseys in use this year which were the worst three i'll get you started at anaheim's orange atrocities definitely Anaheim's is one of their almost
1: anything Anaheim does at this point will make the list which is such a shame they went from the best jerseys in the NHL for a decade to the worst Um, I'm trying to remember all the other thirds off the top of my head I
2: have to go with Tampa Bay's gradients oh yeah those were horrible that is a great call I get that people are are warming up to them but I think they're just objectively bad Uh, you could go with the Jets highlighter blue Jets word print the
1: jerseys by themselves are, are fine, but I they always piss me off because you could have done so much more with
2: them. You could have had one of the best jerseys of all time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And they just phoned it in and it's terrible and everybody hates it and they should be deeply ashamed. Um I'm trying to think what other teams had.
2: Third? LA Kings Grays are rough.
1: Yeah, they're fine. Yeah, uh, those were <laughs> bad. Uh, Colorado or LA's Outdoors if those count.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the bibs are the silver apocalypse yeah i think if we yeah he said alternate jerseys so i think the, those outdoor there ones, weren't a whole the jerseys. Like, i get jerseys the justification on why they did it it's terrible justification buffalo one was jerseys. unreal that
0: one's in calgary's was good sorry no a lot
2: are coming next year no one of the best one of the best one
1: of the best third jerseys in the league didn't get to be worn because they were going to be worn uh, just before the season was canceled, which is Toronto St. Pat's. Oh, I've always liked those.
2: I love those jerseys. Um, Okay. That's all we have for this episode. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in. We have some fun stuff coming down the pipeline Another Patreon exclusive uh, dropping later in the week. Uh, Brad's putting out his list of uh, his draft rankings on Patreon. And then we're going to be editing up his article for the website to be uh on there a little while later we have some fun uh other projects super secret but you guys will see soon uh so stay tuned thank you all for uh continuing to support we appreciate you and um just as much as this might be giving you content uh, during the quarantine um it's given us something to do um that's not just uh visit different rooms in our house and um harvest shells to sell to uh the nook brothers in animal crossing which is all evan's been doing because he's obsessed with animal crossing and it's definitely not me and it's for sure evan uh so thank you all thank you to our name level patrons uh terry Arjun shanker brad smith andrew bohan scott martin kayla thompson jacob turner matt mckay brandon m matthew m rice luke johnson ryan lewis Lange beer clayton van dyken kaylin wood Al alkasem charlie elkins Hannah Lee. Sean Levine, Alex Ott, Ashley Van Conant, Chris Frank, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Craig Kibble, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, K-Waz, and Stan Olsen. Thank you all, and see you later in the week.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at wingedwheelpod. And, of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna, WWP, and at
2: Hockey Town Evan.